Here's the Smart Retirement Podcast, brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Matt and Jeff. Welcome back, Smart Retirees, for another great episode of your Smart Retirement Podcast. It's your co-host, Matt Hollander, joined here with Mr. Jeff Shulam. How are we doing, Jeff? Pretty good. How are you? You know, no complaints. Back from Hawaii. Got a good tan. Um, you know, just trying to get back in the swing of things from the uh, that kind of island life. Just real relaxed and lazy. <laughs> well, it sounds like uh, it helped uh, your clear your mind as well when it comes to racing. I've seen you in the last couple races. One in the real race and another in a sim race. And I don't know, man, you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Uh, coming straight from Hawaii, uh, I had my son with me and uh, dropped him off with the grandparents at the airport here in Phoenix. Literally dropped my bags off, grabbed another bag, and went right back through security, hopped on a plane, and flew up to uh, Napa Valley, Sonoma area uh, for a race up there and just had an absolute blast. Uh, did some wine tasting, you know, it's just like a vacation that never ended and then had to come back Monday after and was a little depressing, <laughs> you know, but, uh, got back, played some catch up work and then, uh, yeah, I had our, we had a virtual sim race, uh, this last week it was a lot of fun. Um, had some good battles with some, some of, uh, you know, my buddies from the real track. So that was nice. Uh, yes. you know, which kind of leads us to our topic for today, uh, episode 53, is going to be uh, is playing defense the best offense for your retirement and you know it's interesting to kind of take that and bring it back to the racing Uh, because when you're out in front you don't want to run a hundred percent wear off your tires and either force yourself into a mistake or create some type of emergency let's say uh, that's going to let that guy behind you catch up now, if you can prepare yourself and you play defense, right? You're, you're kind of managing your car on the track so they don't really have a spot to pass you. Um, you're not wearing out your tires. You're not abusing the equipment. And if something does happen later on in the race, let's say the guy's up next to you, you're gonna have that fresher mindset, fresher tires, whatever it may be, and be able to run with it, right? right. And I think when we look at retirement, it's very much the same as trying to have you know that plan in order uh, that we talk about all the time on the show is having a, a good plan but then how do we go into the different avenues of how to prepare for that right I can talk about it and compare it to racing but how do we really compare it and how do we how do we do it right um, you know after just going through everything with this covid pandemic um, a lot of people are still in you know some type of financial recovery mode, right? Jeff, you you shared a survey with me um, that they said that 58% of Americans still say they're in financial recovery mode. And I have to scratch my head a little bit at that because if we look at what the spent everyone, like the spending everyone is doing lately on homes, cars, vacations, whatever it is, where is it coming from? I mean, why aren't we taking the stimulus money that we're getting or these loans that we're getting from, you know, the PPP stuff for small businesses and putting it into a savings account and using it for unexpected expenses in the future, right? Everyone's going out and blowing this money and now they're out of money and maybe they're not back up to work 100%. And now what? 
right? Um, if you're in a business, a, a small business selling products to these people, okay, great. You had a great surge in business from these people buying your product, but maybe you went out and started buying more things too. And when your business starts declining a little bit and, you know, if we, for some unforeseen reason, you know, if this second wave, third wave, whatever they're calling it, of COVID starts kicking in, and everyone has to go back into a lockdown, God forbid, or something like that. I mean, that's, you know, we need to have some type of planning in, in order here. So, um, <laughs> you know, Jeff, I, I, when I'm meeting with clients, I always tell them they have to have an emergency fund, but uh, I think you've got a, a different terminology you like to look at for that. I do. I, I think that, you know, what you focus on expands kind of thing. And if you say emergency, you know, it, it almost implies that you might psychologically create an emergency to be able to use those funds. So I, I like calling it a contingency fund. Okay. You know, it's for those unexpected big expenses. And, you know, I think I learned early on that it's, if you're going to save up for retirement early on, which I highly recommend that you don't want to have to dip into the, that savings that for retirement, if something were to happen like the pandemic, or I remember the statistic and I don't remember exactly, but you have more a likely chance of being disabled than you are dying. Right. And so for me getting long-term care, for example, early on in my life was made sense because not from, oh, it's gonna help me pay for you know, long-term care if, if something were to happen to me, uh, which I know is expensive, but it, it, I just didn't, because I, I always felt that I was gonna have enough security to be able to afford you know, going into the hospital for a long time or if I needed it, but it hit right. me that, but I'm, if I'm also saving for retirement, I don't wanna have to dip into those retirement funds to be able to pay for the hospital bills today, right? Yeah. So I almost, I looked at it as an insurance policy or let's call it a defensive way of preserving my long-term retirement fund. Sure. And so I, I think that the topic tonight, you know, is, is, is such that, you know, there are certain def defensive moves that we could make now that could, you know, pr make sure that we don't, that, that does, we don't have to worry about tapping into that retirement and, and we have a, a healthy, happy retirement down the road, right? Yep. yep. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that, that's kind of the, the thought for tonight's top topic, so. Sure, yeah, and, and just to go into a little bit of the detail on uh, the survey that you shared with me, it looks like they surveyed, what, 2,300 adults this year. And I, as I mentioned, 58% are saying that they're still in some type of financial recovery mode um but looking at that even further is where are they saying is the best defense um uh, you know against economic uncertainty right and so the contingency fund that you brought up was definitely you know one of those um, but then also having more money in savings right and that could kind of go hand in hand with that contingency fund but mentally, I want people to start thinking of that contingency fund is one that's kind of off limits. Um, not necessarily in the market, maybe in a money market account with one of the bigger uh, banks or wirehouses um, that's liquid, 
but not something you're going to go draw from to go pay your electrical bill or something like that if you're short in the checking account one month. Um, that's going to be more your savings account, right? Uh, we talk about having a financial plan, right? That's always something we're happy to help develop with any of the listeners or people viewing here on YouTube. 866-53-RETIRE. And that's 866-53-RETIRE. Give us a call. We're happy to have that conversation with you, answer any questions that you may have that we're not going over on the show. If you've got some ideas for the show, always love to hear them. Uh, or you can simply shoot us an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. Uh, one of the other things on top of the financial plan uh, that we're, we're seeing is only 14% of those people that were surveyed are looking more than five years out for expenses, right? right. That's nuts. <laughs> uh, you know, there's one thing to say, hey, I'm gonna have a contingency fund and uh, how much are we gonna have in it? And I think after the break, Jeff, will jump into that and kind of talk about where we should allocate funds and how it makes sense to do so. Um, but five years in a plan, it's not a whole lot of your life, right? I mean, I could, I, I have memories that come up on my Facebook from five years ago and I feel like they were yesterday. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have some of those that I'm like, I remember exactly where I was, exactly what I was doing. Where, you know, maybe my dad, who's in his late seventies, who sometimes doesn't remember what he had for lunch yesterday, sometimes he'll even go back and look five years ago and he'll be like, I remember exactly what we were doing. I'm like, whoa, right? So things kind of fly by and you really need to be prepared for more than that. And then what I found crazy is 24% of the people surveyed are only planning month to month. Um, I get it if you're starting out in the workforce and maybe just starting a, thinking about starting a family. Okay, not sure that if you're thinking about starting a family, having to worry about month to month expenses might be the right decision for you. Um, but to each their own but we do need to open up our horizons and start looking a little bit further than even five years down the road, right? I know as a international traveler and, and someone that's um, admires the Asian culture, I, as, a, as a percentage, I think their average savings is in the 30 to 40% range. You sure. know? And it's almost embarrassing as an American that our average is less than 10%, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things that culturally it's a lot different. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think Americans in a whole are, are definitely thinking too short term and probably more motivated by important life events that may be coming up, you know, short term expenses. Like, I find myself kind of guilty of it sometimes. Racing is not cheap, uh, but you know, yeah, I could put this money in a savings account or in my IRA, but I've already maxed out my contributions for the IRA this year, so I'm gonna go racing. Could have just put it in the savings or in a brokerage account and you know, be making some money on that still, but you kind of gotta weigh your options, right? You have to be able to enjoy the money. We talk about that, taking those mini retirement vacations early in life. Um, should I be out racing every month? Probably not. Uh, am I in my late 20s and can make the money and probably earn it back and put it into retirement later? Yeah, probably. Uh, hard to say. <laughs> but really just 
kind of getting out of that mindset and trying to find that longer term vision, I think is going to be an important. Um, we're actually going to have a guest on for our next show, Jeff, that uh, he, he's really a life coach for individuals that are in their latter parts of their working careers. So I would say probably the 50, 55, maybe, and then up to like 68. So he's kind of that guy that helps push people through those last stages of life, really building up that, um, that need and, um, you know, help creating that purpose again in that workforce. So I'm excited to bring that episode after this one, but, um, Today, Jeff, we'll get into the, I guess, five financial defenses that you and I have came up with uh, to kind of help build wealth and prepare you for hopefully a successful retirement, but also uh, to safeguard you against future economic uncertainty. So, Jeff, before we go to the break, why don't you run us through what the five that we're going to be looking at today, please. Well, obviously, we were talking about that contingency fund, um, you know, having something like that to avoid, um, you know, if we if we had to go through another pandemic type of, of situation, you know, we all know what we went just went through and, and having some kind of contingency fund for that, you know, is, is obviously important, um, you know, so in a sense, we're pri prioritizing our savings. Okay. You know? So not only would we have a contingency fund, but we'll also have, you know, uh, an amount for saving for retirement as well. Okay. And I can get into the way I budget um, my monthly income, but we can talk about that later. Um, but another uh, defense is obviously paying down any of your debt that you have. Um, obviously, there's interest associated with that debt that you know could be high uh sure. so you know that that kind of eats into your cash flow on a monthly basis and 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 so forth and and, and the other thing is you know that affects your your credit score and so you know having a, a good credit score is one of those defenses as well because that'll allow you access to you know certain priorities when it comes to or should i say privileges you know yeah. being able to have lines of credits and, and you know lower interest rates and, and so forth because you know getting the credit is one thing but then getting a lower rate yep. is 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 very important so that's something that we can talk about and then getting insured you know the you, like I was saying earlier the part of the defense that we're going to talk about is making sure you just don't you, you, you're covered for any large expenses, like being hospitalized, not being able to work, another yep. pandemic, those types of things. So, you know, those are the, the five things that we'll, we'll get back into after the break. Looking forward to it. Listeners, stick around. We'll be right back for more Smart Retirement Podcast. It's been a roller coaster of a start to the new decade. From the pandemic to the election, record low interest rates, a wild market, home prices that seem to have no ceiling, it leaves us asking what's next? Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will this past election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my home before the market adjusts to downsize? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants with over 40 years of financial planning experience. 
experience. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license number 0L23991 and 0175638. short break smart retirees um episode 53 is playing defense the best offense for your retirement uh before the break we got into a little bit talking about financial recovery mode kind of having a contingency uh savings account and some of the other things that uh, we're going to be getting into so uh really we wanted to touch on five key financial defenses that jeff and i had put together and uh, jeff why don't you go ahead and kick us off with number one which is prioritizing your savings well i think it's pretty obvious that having some kind of contingency fund is just the prudent thing to have especially if your family have a big family and so forth and and the, the that survey we were talking to earlier you know they 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 found that um uh the savings that people were were, were doing uh was at least 10 percent more than the, what they've done in the past and that the average was around seventy three thousand dollars in savings and uh that's great, uh, and sometimes you know having that in your bank account and you seeing that, it, it, there's a, there's a temptation to to want to go spend it. And I think now that the pandemic is relatively over, that you know, there's going to be a tendency of just saying yes to a lot of things that you haven't because you know we've been cooped up in the home for so long, right? And sure. and we want to go have life experiences again and. You know, so my, I guess my thought there is that try not to say yes to everything, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I, I think I'm pretty guilty of that one. Uh, you know, I always grew up with my dad telling me that you should have three months worth of expenses, you know, put away. Right. And I think one of the biggest things that I came away with, with the pandemic was three months is not enough. Right. Uh, experts are saying six to 12. I would honestly say 12 to 18 we've seen how devastating depending on what state you're in how devastating this pandemic could have been for your work life social life whatever it may be right correct and this saying yes to everything i mean that's it's kind of funny that we bring it up because i find myself even during the pandemic i mean you and i were like let's go do something and let's go to costa rica and i'm like yes let's do it right (laughs) was there really income coming in you know that point in time not really but then again, we've been sitting in the house all year and it was time to go do something, right? So there's those mini retirement vacations and trying to find a good mixture of those, right? Uh, 
Um, I have a buddy who invites me to Hawaii. Sure, I'll go, right? I want to go racing in Napa. Yes, I'll go. Am I saving as much as I should? Probably not, right? Did I go to the, a couple of the Suns playoffs games? Yeah. Haven't got to go any concerts because we really haven't had any, but those are starting to kick back up. Uh, I saw Elton John's going to be coming to Arizona in uh, in October. Oh, boy. You know, I think I want to go out and buy, like, almost front row tickets. I mean, Elton John was, like, my childhood growing up. My dad always had that on. So, you know, so definitely trying to be reasonable, be responsible, right? Put the amount of money away that you think you're going to need for that 12 to 18 months in that contingency savings account. Um, again, whether it just be a savings account at the bank, brokerage account, whatever, just make sure it doesn't have a whole lot of risk associated with it, right? You want to be able to rely on that and know that it's there in within 24 hours, you could access those funds. I think that's really, really important. Once that stuff's put away, and let's say you've put aside a good amount of money as well for savings, then that saying yes to going out to eat, going on those vacations, things like that on a more routine basis, I think can be can make sense, right? So well, I, I have a pretty strict budgeting plan that I do, right? To the point where I've made it automatic, number one. So I know that I'm going to be bringing in a certain amount of revenue every month, and I have the money going into a particular account, and then I automatically have money going out of that account into my brokerage accounts, of which I literally then have five different accounts at my brokerage account where I take that lump sum that's been sent there and I put 10% in a, uh, I can go through all the different accounts, but the, you know, I, I've, I, I have a budget for long-term aspirations, you know, a down payment on a beach house. Yeah, I have a travel account. I have my racing account. I have a charity account and I have an education account. I'm always trying to learn something. And then I have my, what I call my financial freedom account. And that's the money that goes to make money. You know, I'm having that account work for me, so to speak. And then I have what I call a fun account, F-U-N. Right. Because sometimes this is a difficult concept to to fathom in the sense that, you know, savings is not easy. But I think what I've been done, what I'm doing with this fun account is it, I spend the money that's in that account every month on something that I normally would not do. And it's telling my brain, hey, maybe this savings and budgeting thing is not a bad thing. And so I'm giving myself a little reward for this kind of discipline. Sure. And I try and blow it on something I haven't done. And lately, I, you know, I tend to be a generous person. I blow it on other people that, because that gives me joy too. Sure. Right. Same with my charity account. Right. So, so I know that right now, you know, my racing budget doesn't have the amount of money in there to go racing, right? So I, 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 I use that as my limitation to say yes as well. You know, if I don't have enough money in my travel account right now to go traveling, I'll have to say, Matt, sorry, I can't go to 
Cancun with you next month, right? You know, and it's also so indirectly, it's a way of, of disciplining myself, but at the, on the spending side, but it's also a great way of savings and budgeting and putting money. And I literally have different brokerage accounts. And to be honest with you, I've taken a, a you know, one step further psychologically, I literally have jars in my bedroom that say fun account and I put my brokerage statements in there. So I wake up in the morning saying, hey, don't forget, you know, you're doing this because you're saving up the money for your down payment on that house in Malibu, right? So it, it's a very visual thing to once again, psychologically get into the budgeting aspect of it. So that's, that, I take it to an extreme, but it's worked for me. Hey, you know, what works for you might work for others, but uh, all we're here to do is share advice, right? Exactly. <laughs> My experiences. Yes. Hey, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good CPA, being very uh, uh, intuitive in the way that they, they, do, they do their budgeting, right? Well, and I do it automatically so I don't have to think about it either. Sure. Right. So, yeah. and to be honest with you, when we get into this, could be a whole another series. But you know, it also works when it comes to relationships too, right? If if each one of the the people in the relationship have their own fun account, right? And you have enough money in your account to go racing every weekend. You know, your spouse shouldn't be there to say, hey. You can't spend money on that. You're taking it away from the kids. Well, no, you you got an account for the kids. You got an account for your living expenses, right? Sure. And then at the same time, you can't criticize her for buying that nice purse because she took that money out of her fun account, right? Sure. So, it's a kind of a nice way of <laughs> I like it. dealing with money, which tap, happens to be a, a big source of of stress in, in some relationships, right? So I would, I would say you know, yeah, something to think about good. there as well. Uh, you know, so I think going on that with prioritizing savings, I think one of the biggest things there is budgeting, right? I, I think we can leave that topic and say budgeting is going to be extremely important. Um, topic number two, paying down debt. <laughs> yeah, That's a fun one, well, right? Yeah, um, hopefully a lot of us didn't get caught up in that during the pandemic, but obviously there's different uh, approaches to paying down your debt. Uh, you know, the two most common terms used is the, the snowball method and the avalanche method. The snowball method might help psychologically, meaning uh, you, you take uh, and you pay down the, the debt on the cards, let's say, that have the least amount of money in it so that you can accomplish getting rid of that card's debt, for example. So like psychologically remove that from your, your portfolio of cards that you're trying to eliminate. You feel, uh, you know, that you were successful and, uh, you know, in doing something there. So I guess that makes yeah. sense. I think psychologically that, that one's a nice one because it, 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 you're kind of rewarding yourself for doing a good job by, you know, getting something down to zero. Well, I think the other thing with the snowball method that should be said is depending on how much credit card debt you have, and I've worked with some individuals in this manner that they've got a lot and they're only, they can only afford really to make their minimum payment and then maybe a little bit more. And so they ask, well, which one should we do it on, right? And that's where that snowball method is going to be really, really important because as soon as you do that, you've now eliminated that minimum payment from one of those cards, 
right? So on a budgetary standpoint, it makes sense. Um, now, if we're looking at a budget, does it make more sense to pay off the credit cards or put it in the savings account, right? And I think Jeff with the avalanche method, uh, that's where that kind of comes in, right? Well, with Avalanche, you're paying off the debt that has the highest percentage of interest rates. Right. Right. So in essence, if you know that you're paying 20% interest on one card and you can get money, you know, let's say realistically you can get 3% on your money if you put it into a savings account. You know, there, there's a spread there that it, it, it makes more sense to pay off your credit card because you're almost you're getting a 20% rate of return in in mm -hmm. theory by paying off that higher interest debt versus putting that money into savings. So uh, and and overall or at least in the long run, paying off the higher interest rate debt first, you're also reduce you're increasing your cash flow to be able to pay off the debt faster. Sure. That makes sense. And at the end of the day, paying off the debt, if you can do it early, will give you more money in the long runs that you can, you know, put back into savings and prioritize that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a kind of an interesting concept to be able to think of of the interest that you're paying on, let's say your mortgage even. Yeah as a rate of return in the sense that you know that if you pay off your mortgage faster, you're getting a two and a half percent rate of return on that. Or it's not a rate of return, but it, it, I, I think of it like that. Versus if I have that money in, the, in my savings and I can invest it and I can make, you know, 30% a year doing covered calls with that, it doesn't make sense to pay off my mortgage early. You know, because right. I mean, right my mortgage, mortgage is two and a half percent. Yeah. Right. So you kind of look at it as as a, a way of comparison, compare it to, to, to see which is a better investment for you. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, from number two being paying down debt, um, number three just kind of goes hand in hand. Right. Get your credit score up. Um, if you've got a lot of debt weighing down your your, your financial well-being, uh, that's really going to affect your credit score, right? Sure. Um, so FICO, the way they kind of look at things, they break it down, it's kind of interesting. So they're gonna look at your payment history. So you can have a fantastic payment history on everything you're doing. They're gonna rate 35% of your score based upon that. Um, the next thing they're gonna look at, and it's the second biggest, is utilization, right? If your cards are all maxed out, you, you, it's going to sink your credit score, right? There, 30% of your score is related to the utilization of your cards. So when we're looking at this, the snowball and avalanche method on paying down debt, one of the other things that should be addressed is maybe getting all of those credit cards, trying to get all of them below, let's say 40% of a utilization ratio. That's going to help build that score up quicker. Um, a lot of my clients have said, and this more of the more of my like younger clients and friends that know what I do for a living, and they're like, "Hey Matt, you know, what do you think?" I'm like, "Download Credit Karma." And I, honestly, I hate to plug one thing, um, but Credit Karma has been so good for some of them, just to give them little tips on their credit and more knowledge 
And I think at the end of the day, we all know knowledge is power. And when it comes to looking at credit, there's a lot of different things, right? So we've got 35% of payment history, 30% utilization, 15% is gonna come down of how long you've had your card, right? Um, 10% is going to be the new credit, and then 10% of is going to show what your credit mix looks like, right? Do you have auto loans, home loan, credit cards, whatever those may be. Uh, one of the things that my parents did for me very early on, and listeners, if you've got kids that are 13, 14, 15, let's say you've got a card with Home Depot. Actually, it was Home Depot that my parents did this with. They put me on as a signer, a non-borrowing signer on that card. So my credit history was established the minute I went on there. So as long as my parents made the payment history, it didn't affect me, but it gave me a longer credit history. Um, so when I turned 18, I had a fantastic credit score, was able to get a credit card, used it wisely, and bought my first car three months later on my own and had a 2.99% APR, right? That's not average for most people at the age of 18 because they still have to build their credit. They've got to go out and get that seven or 8% auto loan for a couple of years, get some credit card stuff going in the mix, and then go ahead and refinance that car later. So as a tip for any of the parents out there, that might be a great way and a gift that your children probably won't appreciate until they're a little bit older in life. Um, but I can tell you, I mean, looking back at it, I, I am so thankful that my parents did that. So little tip there, if you're gonna take anything away from getting credit scores up. <laughs> that just reminded me of on my 18th birthday, I went, furniture shopping and I found some furniture. One of them was a, a beautiful beanbag chair that was so silly thinking about this, but I remember paying for like three years, $18 and 67 cents a month, you know, to pay off this furniture. And, and it just, uh, I, I, I wanted to establish my credit as quickly as, as I could, as early as possible. And, and it's paid off. And I, I look at my credit score every month. Yep. Um, you know, not only for the score, but to see if something is wrong. If something, you know, that that's a, another way of keeping your score up, is to make sure that there's no fraud on there and and, and so forth, and 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 correcting any of those mistakes um, or uh, you know identifying things that could be wrong as quickly as possible. So definitely, that's that can help improve your score. Uh, and, and then let's talk about that utilization rate. I think that they say that, um, you know, to have a, a good score is to have the utilization rate at uh, less than 30%. Less meaning than 30. that if you're, if you had a thousand dollar credit limit, you don't spend more than $300 on that card. Right. Yep. Whereas between one and, and 10% is ideal. Yep. Right. That, that's where you're going to. And they say 1% because sometimes not using a card might hurt you sometimes too, right? So, um, but but you, you definitely want to not have a lot of credit cards as well, I think is, is one of the, the things that they look at. I, I, I personally just have my travel card. Yeah. And I, you know, so I can get points so I can travel for my mini retirement vacations. Sure. Right? So I think... Um, uh, we'll keep a link in, in our, in our uh, uh, profile area for you to go maybe look at some, some of the credit cards that are out there to help maybe lower the credit card debts and so forth for people to be able to, you know, help with them to be able to lower the, 
the interest rates on some of these these cards that are out there because I know some of them are pretty bad these days. Yeah, and, and you know one of the other things to be looking at is as you build your score back up, and let's say you've got these cards that you've had for ten years and you've had excellent payment history, you know paid it off. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and call that credit card company and ask them for a rate review to see if you can reduce your rate. Uh, that's right. another thing that they are willing to do if your credit is better than when you initially took out the car. You've got some history with them. If you're not behind on payments, it might make sense. Uh, another thing, when the credit card balances are down, your credit scores are up, might not be a bad idea to go ahead and ask them to extend a larger line of credit to you. Um, that would be a good time to do so. It will also give you a little bit of a safety net. Or I don't want to say that this is that contingency account because this is really for emergencies only. But if we got in a scenario like we did with the pandemic, you would at least have a little bit more accessible credit to yourself. Might even want to look at having a line of credit available to you. Now, what I will say about a line of credit is you can't always rely on them and you can't always rely on the credit card companies to leave the line as high as they are because when they start seeing the economy start crashing and coming down, what is their instant reaction? Well, they're going to start pulling lines because they don't want to lose money. So well, it's a fair balance, but uh, yeah, definitely make sure you've, you're taking advantage of those, uh, your good credit when you have it and making sure that you've got uh, accessible funds for yourself. Um, for sure. Yeah. Number four, saving for retirement. Uh, you know, I think we've kind of covered this in a lot of everything we've been going over, but inside that budget, I think it's important to carve out X amount of dollars a month to, you know, make it happen. Right. Well, that's my financial freedom account, you know, right. so I, I definitely put a majority of my funds in there and I, I, that's my investment account that I have that I've been happy doing covered calls lately as far as a way of, of putting, you know, having my money work for me and so forth, bringing in certain monthly um, revenue um, that for me is a, um, you know, originally I was getting one and a half percent a month, which annually is not bad, but now I've been trying to get about one percent a week. Sure. And um, so that that definitely adds to to um, you know the retirement account a lot faster and so forth. But um, yeah, it, it it's to me being that I'm older, I'm obviously more concerned about that. You know, so you know one of the one of the things I bring up in my my seminar a lot is a quote from Einstein, and he once said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it, right? Yep. And it's so crucial when it comes to retirement, right? If we have, if, let's say, our goal is to save a million dollars for retirement, right? We're going to retire at age sixty-seven. Um, not saying a million dollars is going to get you through retirement in today's day and age, because it probably isn't. Um, but someone at the age of 25, right, is going to have to invest a whole lot less than somebody that's, say, 40 years old, right? Because they've had that additional 15 years for the funds. I mean, the difference, and Jeff, you, we'll, we'll post this up so everyone can see age by age, but someone at the age of 25, it's $330 a month that they need to invest at 7% until retirement, they'll have their million bucks, okay? Someone at the age of 40 
has to save 1045 bucks, right? Big difference. Yeah. Now, do we have a, this, most people have an extra grand laying around every month, depending on what they do. Probably not, right? So it behooves you to slow it down early in life. Maybe don't go out and buy that brand new car that's gonna be a $700 a month car payment. Get that Honda Accord that's used, that's gonna be the $300 car payment. Take the rest of the money, be disciplined, and put it aside into an account. I was terrible at this when I was younger. Um, so it's forced me now to play catch up, right? But now I also have a son that I'm having to save for, for college. So it's even more expense, right? So yes, I, I do have a budget, Jeff. I mean, you'd be proud of me here. I do every month, I know where the revenue is coming in. I have X amount that goes to my IRA, X amount to my brokerage account, and X amount into uh, my son's college account. So it is there and I am maxing out the IRA and everything else, so, <laughs> but. Um, well, but what you're talking about is that, that yeah. the, the compounding, right? I mean, the earlier yeah. you start, right? You're, you're getting that 7% return, but then you're getting 7% on that 7%, right? So that's that compounding and obviously time is that is your friend when it comes sure. to, to, to that. So the earlier you start, you know, with that compounding, the, the better. And don't forget that, that that compounding works against you when you have these high interest credit cards, too, because you're paying interest on your interest yep. every month. So that's what Einstein was saying is if you don't understand it, you, you pay it, too. So you know, Absolutely. It, it works both ways. Um, number five was get insured. I know, Jeff, we, we touched on this, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I don't want to go too far over on the show here, but um, one of the biggest things in retirement that can affect your retirement, we've talked about it on the show quite a bit. You can go back and listen to some of our episodes uh, where I talk about long-term care. And I think the nation average right now for a single occupant room in a nursing home is $8,300 a month, right? Home health care, uh, to have someone in there at the home with you, I think it's gonna be somewhere around, uh, it's like 5,800 to $6,000 a month. I'm using national averages. If you're in California, a lot higher than that. You're in New York, a lot higher than that. Um, Arizona's getting to the same way. We've got a lot of retired seniors here that need health care. Um, they say that the average individual that reaches the age of 75 that is married there's a 55% chance that one of the two individuals in the home are gonna need some type of care they can't receive at home. Um, with that type of expense and with that type of certainty that somebody's gonna need it, it's one of those things you wanna be prepared for and have some type of plan for. It's a lot cheaper to buy long-term care insurance when you're younger yep. than say when you're 60, 65. You don't have, let's say, you don't have pretty existing conditions now, you might then. Um, when insurance companies look at risks, it's all risk pooling, and they'd much prefer having a younger person paying in that maybe never uses that account um, than somebody that they're almost certain will, and they're going to be jumping into the pool to do so. So, uh, listeners, if, you, if you've ever looked into long-term care, uh, there's a lot of different policies and things out there. You know, a lot of people are against it because they say, I don't want to put money into this thing because if I don't use it, it's all gone. That's not even the case anymore. Uh, they are there are some now that are backed with life insurance policies. So if you don't use it, um, about 85 percent 
of what you put in will then go back to your heirs. So it's not getting totally thrown away. Oh. Um, if you want to have a quote ran for you, I'm happy to do it. 866-53-RETIRE. Again, that's 866-53-RETIRE. Or shoot us an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. Um, you know, Jeff, I, uh, when we look at insurance, I don't think we can just stop at long-term care, right? We want to make sure that we're properly insured medically, right? We want to make sure we have enough coverage there. If we have some type of illness, we have to go to the hospital. You don't have to be paying out of pocket or having to now dip into uh, that contingency spend account, right? Um, so having that reviewed, if you've got a uh, personal uh, insurance person that you work with, that's not something I do, um, but I'm sure Jeff, you and I, if depending on where they are in the area, would be happy to refer you to somebody to kind of review that type sure. of stuff with you. Um, you know, auto insurance, making sure you have enough coverage, but maybe not paying too much for it. Uh, getting a second opinion on your auto insurance is never a bad idea. Um, and then an umbrella policy, right? As you start attaining more things in life and more assets, you want to make sure that you're protected financially from any type of issues going on, right? I think another insurance topic that's not really insurance is having making sure you've got a family trust. Uh, God forbid you get sued and you don't want all your assets to be attached if something were to happen. So, um, you know, depleting your assets and just putting you further into debts, absolutely going the wrong way. Um, you know, so I, I definitely can say that insurance is probably one of the better defenses when it comes to absolutely. making sure you have a successful retirement. Um, Jeff, anything else uh, you'd like to add in? Think long term. <laughs> if I guess one thing, one thing you could come away from this episode with was, you know, let's not have, uh, let, let's get more to like the Asian countries and start thinking more long term for putting more money away, right? So, um, sure, using that compounding, yeah, absolutely. Helps. All right, listeners. Well, uh, we will be back in a couple weeks here. As I said earlier in the show, we've got a great guest coming up on board with us uh, to talk a little bit about uh, getting through that last stage of your working years. Uh, listeners that are younger, I don't want you to think this isn't going to be a show for you. It 100% will be. Um, the speaker that we're going to have on has actually worked with Olympians, um, has been a keynote speaker for some huge financial workshops and things. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good show. So, Jeff, until then, uh, have a good couple of weeks, listeners. Let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. Thanks for tuning in today. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. California license number 017563. And MLS number 1246224.
Italy. Italy.